Hey, what's up? Huzzy here. And you're listening to Cats Out of the Basket. This is the podcast uh, about mental health awareness where we hear the real stories of real people and we really appreciate the people that come on here to talk and to help you guys learn a bit more about different mental health conditions. So today, as always, I've got another guest with me. Um, he's a pretty good mate of mine and very happy to have him here. His name's Frankie. How you going? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How does it feel to be here? Uh, feels pretty good. Yeah. Feel pretty good. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, so we're actually in my brother Juan and <laughs> his girlfriend Phoebe's apartment right now. So thanks for letting us use your apartment. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Go, you guys listen to this, so <laughs> thanks for that. So I guess I want to start this just by telling the listeners a bit about how I know you. Um, so do you want to start explaining that? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I think, we, well, I met you, well, actually, I met your brother first. Yeah. Uh, I went, uh, I was studying with Juan, and we studied music together at TAFE, and mm. uh, I believe... We met each other through band rehearsals. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, the first time I really kind of, like, talked to you. I think yeah. I'd seen you before, but I think some of the other guys were introduced. Yeah, properly. I'd gone to a few of your classes' performances, and I saw you drumming there, and I thought, wow, he's pretty good. Oh, shucks. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and then uh, Phoebe and Juan sort of put a band together that mm. we, were, we were in for a little while called The Valleys. Oh, yeah. Look us up on Facebook. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're sort of inactive now. Y- but, yeah, uh, a bit we, of a hiatus. <laughs> we, got a, we got a bit of stuff there you can check out. Yeah. So it was a good time playing with The Valleys and, <laughs> and all that. Had a, didn't do any gigs, did we? Did one as uh, a band? It, well, uh, when you guys were more of a trio before... Yeah you introduced or Phoebe introduced more people into the band yeah that's right yeah hmm. but I don't know maybe we'll record something in the future yeah well, we've been in the studio we've recorded a few songs yeah <laughs> more stuff maybe but uh, yeah it's turning out to be quite a music based podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah talked about a, a music with you and Panya yeah. <laughs> alright so that's how I know you. I guess this brings us to the mysterious golden Chinese question box. Mm. Are you excited about that? Very excited. <laughs> Great. Well, give that an open and uh, okay. get a question out. So he's opening up the question box and there's a bunch of questions. He's going to choose one. Let's see what we get. Are you a sore loser? Are you a bad winner? Um... I, yeah, I'd say uh, I can be pretty competitive. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think I'm a fair person, but uh, mm. if we're being a bit honest, yeah, I think it's I hit a sore spot when I lose sometimes. <laughs> um, am I a bad winner? I'd probably say the same for that as well. <laughs> I'd smug. like to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody likes to win. Yeah, um, of course. I don't like to rub it in people's faces, but no. uh, not often that I win stuff, but I'm proud when I do. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Are you a sore loser with board games and stuff? Like stuff that is 
like it doesn't matter. Like if you play Ludo or something, uh, <laughs> Uno gets Uno, savage sometimes. It's savage indeed. Yeah. Uh, Scrabble, I'm pretty like eh about. I'm I'm confident in my grammar and spelling. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, uh, video games like mm, I play PS4. Mm. Uh, games I play on there, I can get uh, pretty pretty feisty pretty involved <laughs> oh geez okay well that's a good response there you want to try another question see what sure. we got yeah what was your go-to childhood movie that's a good question that's good question hasn't come up yet the mm. other one did um my go-to childhood movie i'd have to <laughs> I'd have to say it's um, Free Willy. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but it, it was it's my the one name's of my funny. That's about <laughs> it. I mean, it's a good movie. It is, yeah. Just, Just the first one. Yeah. Um, the second one's okay, but uh, the whale just <laughs> leaping over. It's uh, inspirational stuff. <laughs> Um, it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah, and the um, the Page Master. It was also another one of my go to childhood movies. I've but not heard of that one. Oh, it's really good. You I'll, should watch it. I'll have I to watch it. Yeah. Is it a kids movie though? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's cool. Whatever. It's people checking out Moana and Frozen. Whatever. It's all ages, mate. Mm. All right. So that we'll leave the question box for now. Um, okay. So we'll get down to the nitty gritty of, of all this, uh, but just to ease our way into that, uh, just want to ask you, what made you want to open up on, on my podcast? Well, I'd seen your post on Facebook yeah. maybe a few months, a good few months before this actually, you started recording mm-hmm. and you were asking uh, for people to... Um, I guess see if anyone would be interested to share this story. And I'd thought about it a lot before I actually came to you about it. Yeah. I had to um, <laughs> debate within myself uh, because um, I'm, I feel like it, it, it would do me good uh, to be open and speak about it. Yeah. And hopefully do some others good mm. by hearing it because uh, when I was, you know, going through tough times, yeah, I don't think I really heard enough about anything that would really help me. Mm. Uh, and I, of course, I just ad- admire the fact that you wanted to put this uh, podcast into motion and actually... Uh, create a platform for people to come and speak to you, yeah. you and uh, talk about some serious stuff. Mm. Um, thank and you. No. <laughs> Thanks. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, I'll do what I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a good answer. And uh, thanks again for coming and, and being so open. And yeah, it's definitely, I've been excited about yours because it's, <laughs> it's something that people don't really hear a lot about often. Mm. Like they don't have access to hearing that type of story. Mm. So that's why I really want to get people to listen <laughs> to this one. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, when did you come to realize that you weren't completely happy with the body that you're that you were in and sort of how old were you when you started having these thoughts? Hmm. Well, when I come to think about it, um, my childhood was mainly, I could say if I look back on it, it mainly would be like a positive time for me. Um, but I hit puberty, uh, the first time uh, at the age of 10. So it was pretty early on Mm. and things were starting to change uh, physically for me. Um, And I think I've always, from then when my chest started to develop, I think that's when the first thing I kind of noticed about myself Mm. that I just didn't really, um, didn't really you know, resonate with, you know, for, for being a part of me. Yeah. Um, and from there I kind of had this like detachment that I made, um, where, uh, I just kind of removed (laughs) all the, the things that were, um, you know, I didn't feel were right about me. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of pretended like it wasn't there <laughs> and I, you know, wishful thinking started to see something else, mm. um, just to get by, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd say right from like puberty, I think it was when I really started to notice any kind of, you know, differences that really affected me. Mm. Did you, so you didn't have any sort of thoughts around that? sort of thing before puberty at all um well funny that i don't actually have these memories mm. um but my my mum does she told me that from a real young age possibly around three maybe four i was uh questioning whether I was going to grow up to be a boy. Um, And uh, when I started to, I think earlier on in my primary school years, I'd ask some of the teachers some questions about, you know, uh, why I'm different or Mm. why, you know, I'm not like the boys or something along those lines, questioning my gender identity. Mm. Um, And I think my parents knew from like a parent-teacher meeting, I suppose, those things. And um, then uh, I believe my my family and my parents came home from that and uh, asked me at home, you know, is this how I feel? Do I want to talk about it? But I, uh, I don't remember this either, but my mum uh, said that when she approached me about it, I kind of just was like, eh, and like shrugged it off and, you know, like a kid, I guess. Mm. So I don't think I really understood myself what I was really questioning. I didn't really, probably didn't, you know, understand gender roles or what any of that meant. Yeah. But I just maybe had some kind of feeling 
um, that you know, was there. Mm. Well, that's that's already we've started to learn something that's yeah. really interesting <laughs> to me, and I'm sure to the listeners as well. Like it's it's kind of cool to hear that like not even from your personal memories, mm. just people telling you that this is what was going on when you were a kid, and like mm. I guess following your realizations it sort of made probably makes you think like oh okay that makes sense mm. Mm. yeah mm. that's kind of cool um so is there anything else that made you think that you were different to those around you like the other kids in, in your class and stuff like that i think what i think i realized first about myself was um my attraction to girls actually from like a really young age as well. Um, and, um, I think I, I probably wasn't as educated, but I kind of just heard of, um, you know, terms and like labels to put yourself in. Like if, you know, you're a biological female and you like girls, then you're a lesbian or, you know, boys who like boys are gay. And I think that was the first kind of thing I I did. I found for once I felt like, oh yes, like this must be it. I feel different, but you know, I must be fitting into this group. Mm. Um, and for a while, I kind of just sat there in that group and I thought, oh, yeah, but I didn't really feel like I'd really found the place where I belonged. Yeah. Um, and later on, I, as I was, you know, further through my adolescence, I, I kind of was you know, opened up to more than just um, you know, where you stand with who you like there's more to it than just, uh, I guess, sexuality. Mm. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah. And I also felt, I think I never felt gay in like a gay relationship. I always felt straight, but Mm. I never understood why, um, why it didn't seem, um, like I could be that way. Yeah. Um, in the body that I'm in, it just didn't seem to fit in the straight world. You know, it, it was like you had to be, like you must be a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm. um, so that label didn't really sit right with you. No. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess this this is a good point to sort of because I sort of wanted to touch on on your history around this stuff and get a bit of your thoughts before we actually truly told everyone exactly what was going on (laughs) yeah so i guess the explanation i want to give now is sort of that uh a few things that i read up on myself as well as telling them about you directly so you were born a biological female Mm. but you're living as a man now so you're transgender Mm -hmm. yep yeah so something that uh i looked up on the internet is that this is this condition it's diagnosed as gender dysphoria now and it used to be known as gender identity disorder which i think had quite negative connotations to Mm. it because it has disorder that word Mm -hmm. so um they don't don't use that term anymore because the mismatch between body and internal sense of gender like you described Mm. it's not a mental illness so what 
is a mental illness is the stress, anxiety, and depression that go along with that. And I think that is definitely a common ground with with people in this situation because mm. it's the, the the way society is. It's not really structured around having this this situation, this internal struggle going on. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So I guess that's just a little explanation for the listeners that uh, it's called gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. That's the term we use now. Um, so I understand you wanted to s- sort of take this time to give a bit of a distinction between gender and sexuality. Um, yeah, actually. Just to, just to talk to the listeners about what the difference is with, with that stuff. Yeah, a lot of people, um, it's a common misconception that uh, gender and sexuality and sex all kind of mean the same thing when actually they're all separate, each of those. Uh, when people uh, relate to things or speak in terms of uh, someone's sex, they are referring to somebody's, um, someone's sex uh, sometimes called Sorry, I'm just... uh, He's reading off the screen. (laughs) I did a little research of myself, actually. Um, When uh, people refer to someone's sex, uh, sometimes called biological or physical sex, they're talking about that person's identity based on their physical uh, characteristics, Mm. uh, genes and hormones. Uh, And gender uh, is about your sense of who you are as a person... Uh, uh, as opposed to what your uh, physical uh, characteristics are. Um, And sexuality uh, is about uh, who you're attracted to sexually or romantically. Mm. Uh, It's common that people get all those kind of blended into one, but uh, they are a bit different. That that puts it into perspective, the term gender dysphoria, because that definition is very clear cut that you said it's it's about who you are as a person mm. and the dysphoria sort of says that there's a mismatch between the body mm. and and what you feel you are as a person mm. yeah yeah so that resonates with you yeah it yeah. does okay so i understand that you did see a psychologist so when when did you eventually see a psychologist um, well, actually, once I, I think, m- once I made the decision to actually start, that where the first step was to for me to go see a doctor mm. and explain how I felt and the things I wanted to do. And previous to that, I'd, you know, exhausted the internet and and watched plenty of YouTube videos and you know had a a peek into other people's lives that were you know, open as transgender people and talking about how they felt. And a lot, a, for a while, I, I think it, out of fear, I was like, oh, uh, is, is this really what I want to do? Like, is this 100%? Like, this is going to change my life. And mm. um, when I was 22, uh, I made that decision to, to really just go for it because I, I didn't want to have this uh, like unhappiness that I was having and the experiences I was having out in public and how it was affecting me so uh, my social anxiety and things like that I uh, I just had 
I think I, you feel it's right when it's right. Mm. It's something that you make a decision to do for you. Mm. And it's important that you do that for yourself and you really listen to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so I saw a doctor in Sydney um, and then I was referred to see a, a psychiatrist um, but uh, I just want to say that uh, well, it was actually all thanks to my mum actually when I uh, came out to her and I told her um, she uh, being the best that she is uh, she went straight to the internet and was like uh, um, I think she emailed someone at uh, I think it was the gender clinic Mm. I think um, I'm not too sure but um, <laughs> yeah she emailed them and it was like oh you know like my son has said this to me and like you know I love him but I don't know what to do like can can you tell me like what do I do how do I support him like what the steps we you know what steps do we have to take yeah. to um, start this very supportive yeah and mm. I think that's that's the best I know uh, some people don't have that and I feel for those people who don't have you know family support mm. um, but I was really lucky and so yeah thanks to my mum then I uh, went to the doctors and then I got a referral to see <coughs> a psychiatrist in Sydney and uh, the steps actually, it, it went pretty quickly. Uh, I was told and I was kind of amazed. I thought this thing was going to take a long time for me. But um, you actually, you know, it goes as fast as you want it to. And because I think also um, I was 22, so uh, I had more freedom myself to make these decisions. If I was younger, I think it would be a lot more different. Mm. If I had to have like guardians who would initiate things for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, because I was, you know, seen as an adult, and uh, I I could do this myself. But uh, yeah, so I saw a psychiatrist about a month after my first appointment. Yeah. Yeah. So you told me before we started recording that um, you received the gender identity disorder mm. diagnosis yeah that's um uh i went there and basically i sat in a, in a comfy chair and i talked about well basically this 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 guy <laughs> sat there with on his laptop and uh he just asked me to talk about everything about mm. um you know, my childhood uh, how I feel, uh, my family, etc. And he just typed away uh, and I spoke for about an hour. Mm. And at the end he, he said, oh, well, you know, from what you said and how you present yourself and etc. Um, you know, I believe you're of like sound mind to make this decision to, to uh, undergo hormone replacement therapy. So yep. you need the, the A-OK from... Uh, uh, professional mm. just to get that reassurance to start and know that you're doing this you know for yourself and it's going to be positive yeah awesome yeah. so sort of in the point between puberty when you started realizing that uh, more in depth that something was going on and between 
between then and talking to psychiatrists and psychologists about this stuff, what was your state of mind like back then? You talked a little bit about social anxiety and being unhappy. So can you tell tell me a bit about how how that played out for you? Mm, sure. Um, I, I, I think in my adolescence, uh, I don't think anyone's like necessarily happy <laughs> all the time mm. but um from my experiences and how uh, i was feeling and, and how it internally impacted me uh, like a uh, touch base on the social anxiety um mm. from when i started to uh you know accept within myself that um there's still a difference. There's still something that doesn't fit. And as I said, you know, I, I thought, oh, it's just, you know, you know, identifying as, as a lesbian and how that's, you know, out of the norm, you know. Mm. But um, no, there was still there was still something more, and um, and I I was never a feminine person. I've always uh, uh, felt very masculine mm. uh, and and it was frustrating when I couldn't really express it the way I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and in, in public, you know, I'd, I'd always, uh, I'd have <laughs> mixed emotions because uh, sometimes I would be seen uh, as a boy and a part of me felt like, oh, that's that's cool, you know. Like, you know, I, I don't have to explain myself um, just by pure um, sight, and and it felt like, okay, you know, like this is different, but like mm. I like it. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, I feel comfortable. But then at the same time, I'd get. Uh, some unpleasant things said to me, uh, like uh, some people would, would actually come up to me, like to my face and whether they knew me or not, that didn't really matter. But, uh, they still were pretty ballsy and asking, you know, like, are you a boy? Are you a girl? Like, what are you? Mm. I remember those words like ringing in my mind mm. over and over and, I wish I could say it only happened once or twice, but it actually happened so much that um, I think it, it did a lot more damage inside than I wanted to show mm. to people. Because I, I guess I'm sure in that time you yourself were really confused mm. and that sort of would have added to just being even more confused and not really understanding yourself. So what was what was it like to hear people say this this stuff to you? Oh, it was pretty devastating. Um, I didn't feel like I couldn't express it myself or even just talk about it properly mm. to people, but I was being criticised and, uh, and I guess attacked for it. Yeah. And in my confusion, it, it made me just not want to go out. It, it, it made me not want to stray from comfortable situations with uh, only close friends. Um, it, it eventually led to me not wanting to speak 
in situations like mm. maybe i could just stand somewhere and be really quiet and i think i think that's where i started to get really withdrawn um because i used to once upon a time uh be a bit outgoing actually mm. um and i know there's a there's definitely been a change in me that uh, i'm much more quiet and uh softer spoken mm. uh, and that's because I, I felt like that was just an invitation for people to question me. And uh, I, I kind of just wanted to remove myself from that altogether. Yeah. So see me how you see me, but don't approach me, don't talk to me, don't question or criticize me. Okay, so it's like yeah. a coping mechanism for you to, yeah. to sort of deal with, with the confusion from yeah. the other people. Yeah. Okay. Well, something I wanted to point you out on is that uh, in my research, my research, <laughs> I researched a bit about, yeah, so <laughs> I had to read a bit about this stuff mm. just to be a bit informed. So I read that a lot of people with gender dysphoria become socially isolated either by choice or by ostracism. Mm. So did you have any experiences like that, um, whether it was... I mean, you spoke about it being your own choice to be a bit more withdrawn, but did you feel like you got ostracized in a way? Um, yeah. Um, well, it, it, it was interesting. Um, I felt like I lost, like the, the more I came to accepting myself and understanding my feelings and what they meant and the, the less the confusion um, kind of weaned away. Uh, I felt like I was stuck in between these two places um, for since I could really understand myself or so since puberty and, and thinking, oh, you know, like this, this community, uh, like I'm in the gay community and I, I had friends and stuff. Um, and, you know, I was a, a girl and I liked girls. And, um, when I kind of got my hands or head around that in some way, I also realized that, no, actually it's not like that. Mm. And I'm actually something completely different. Uh, that makes more sense to me, but it's scary because I don't really get it. Um, so I lost kind of the sense of community in a way, mm. like the transition from uh, where I thought I fit in yeah. um, to something completely new. And um, yeah, and, and the f fact that, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I was, I personally was withdrawn as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, losing my sense of community and not knowing where I really belong, I think that's, that also really affected me. Mm. Well, it, yeah, it's sad to hear that, um, that is a common thing as well for, mm. for people going through this stuff. Mm. So, uh, I guess it's something for, for people around to, to be aware of, to, to not isolate people. Mm. Uh, to try and keep that sense of uh, treating them the same if, mm. if they're going through this. Um, it, it, is, it must be confusing for those around you as well. Did you, mm. 
is there anything you can shed light on with that? Um, in uh, are we speaking uh, like pre-transition or? Um, I guess yeah, pre-transition because it's sort of when when you were really confused mm. and just um, how did people around you sort of feel about mm. how you were? Well, um. I was in a relationship actually uh, with at the time when I really started to um, try and build some confidence and uh, explore uh, these feelings and I was lucky to have a girlfriend at the time and she was very supportive and she uh, played a big part in um, me trying to tread the water and see, you know, explore this happiness um mm. in myself mm. and that was you know i'm very grateful for that um in terms of the other people um i don't think i was uh too open actually about um my like these deep feelings with many people before i actually um later on once the confusion kind of blew over Mm. Um, but I, I can imagine that you know, if I were to be more vocal about it to people, um, that it, it's a, it's a process for everyone. Mm. It's not just the the individual that's uh, battling these feelings and trying to come to terms with who they are. It's also a whole process for the people around them to um, you know support that. Sometimes it's not easy. Mm. Um, Sometimes it's really tough, and sometimes you really, uh, you really gotta knuckle down and and kind of. It, sometimes it's actually a pretty messy process for the individual, and you know it can be self-destructive, and it could, mm. uh, uh, you know, affect relationships at, at the same time. So it's it's not easy, but uh, I think. With good intentions, and if you have people around you or the people around them, the individual really, you know, care mm. and just want them to be happy. Yeah, um, it's a balance, I think. Yeah, you got to find a balance. Mm. Okay, so I guess let's sort of take it back to you know you've seen a psychologist and mm. and they've told you. You've got gender identity disorder. So, uh, what was it like just to know that there was sort of a name for it, and mm. and how did that affect your psyche and your your persona as well? I think that was a huge thing to hear. Just someone to be like, "It's okay." So everything that you feel, and and even as confusing as it can be, like it's fine. Mm. Like you have a place where you belong. And it's a part of this group of people. Um, And for someone, I think also for someone to tell me like, okay, so you've like, I've sat here and I've listened to you talk, you know, for so long. Uh, And, (laughs) you know, like, you're not crazy. Like everything's okay. Um, Like you're fine to, to do this. If this is right for you, you know, kind of having someone, you know, just to be like, um, how do I say? Um, 
it, like it's just it was reassuring for me to just have someone be like okay like you can start mm. your life for yeah. the like the first time mm. um and that was great i think that really impacted me like in a positive way and i was filled with like excitement and nervousness because um the next step following that was um like there was after that there was nothing holding me back from starting hormone replacement therapy mm. and that was you know that day when i started was going to be like the first day of like my new life yeah um and it was terrifying but it mm. was exciting and it felt like i could let go of all the um negative thoughts i had within myself and the confusion and the self doubt that i had um and i could just let it go and try and move forward and know that there was a forward place for me to go to mm. um with certainty and um yeah reassurance it just it made a whole world of a difference for me mm. well that's great that, that sort of comes back to what i've been hearing with a few people that i've talked to so far on the podcast that that sense of normalization mm. that um you know the safety in numbers and and that just not feeling like an outsider mm. um, maybe it's not so common in people within your personal life but knowing that people that you don't know as there's other people out there going through the same thing like that's mm. a really powerful thing and mm. i get that sense from you as well yeah yeah i agree with that mm. yeah so what was uh more difficult for you after knowing that the, that this had a name and and that uh okay i've got the transition coming up so what was what did you find more difficult after talking to that guy for an hour and him typing away <laughs> um what was more difficult was i think i think it was uh i had to let go of the person that i was mm. in order to be the person that i've always wanted to be mm. um but i'd lived as this person for 22 years it's the only person i've lived as you know it's my whole life mm you know to the day and uh you know like <clears throat> i think it was difficult as well to watch i mean for me personally it was to watch my mum uh just have to grieve uh the daughter she lost mm. um that that was like touching for me and it was you know it sucked because uh it it you know i i grew up and i was never really like i pretty much grew up in like a genderless kind of home mm. like my mom says it to me and i agree it's like she never really forced me to do the girl stuff she never really she tried to get me in dresses and that didn't go mm. so she gave up you know yeah um and it wasn't long before i was in high school and i was wearing the boys uniform and that was fine and like i'm i'm really blessed to have that kind of support from my mom throughout all these years but i 
I always had this fear that she was afraid of losing her daughter mm. to get her son. Mm. And, uh, but I never doubted that, like, she would love me any less. Yeah. So I was really, really happy, <clears throat> really happy mm. um, with that. But yeah, I think, and mentally, I've also, even though I, I said before that I had some, this kind of reality detachment to certain parts of me that I didn't want to identify with, like my chest and things that I didn't feel comfortable with. Um, I also created some kind of like uh, mentality where maybe I it wasn't something I needed to uh, find uh, to, to fit in anywhere. Mm. Like I kind of just in my head... I used, I had, I've always had a great imagination and in this case I used it to my advantage to just see myself neutrally or maybe uh, c come to a place where I'd, you know, find if someone else wants to view me as a woman, um, I just wouldn't view myself that way. And then I'd draw that line. And then that would be it. So you can see me or, you know, you know, call, use uh, female pronouns, even though it made me cringe on the inside. It's one in one ear, out the other. Mm. So, um, and it took a long time for me to build that up, to actually, uh, you know, get to a place where I was like, okay, you know, I'm semi-comfortable. Like I've drawn the line. I'm not attached to myself. Mm. Um, but... You know, at least, you know, I can still go outside and I'm not as anxious uh, to be around people I don't know. Um, and I'm able to still put myself in situations uh, during the day like no other. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that for me was also really difficult as well. I had to let go of that and just be like, okay, I've got to start fresh. Mm. It, it's all out the window now. Um and I kind of felt like I lost, you know, who I was. Like I felt very, um, I didn't know, um, how, how do I say this? It, it felt strange um, to feel like all I knew was potentially, um, you know, what a female knows. Mm. And then I'm going to be like a boy pretty soon. <laughs> and then it's like, what do boys do? How do boys think? How do yeah. boys feel? Um, I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is who I feel like. And I feel comfortable this way. But like, you know, I feel like I can't <laughs> bring all like my girl thoughts and, and, and the way I think into this new body. Mm. Um, so it was really strange time for me, um, to go through all these changes. Uh, and eventually it, it kind of settled and I was like, okay, you know, stop thinking so much. That's probably, you know, a, just a Frankie thing, not so much like a transgender thing. Mm. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, how did your mental health change after you sort of got approved to take part in the transition? And because you did, did you still experience anxiety and depression and stress and, and, and all that? 
Well, actually, um, I think for the first six months, I felt better. I was like easing into myself, you know, my new body, these changes that were happening. Uh, leading up to um, starting hormone replacement therapy, I would get a lot of panic attacks all of a sudden. And they'd hit me in very you know, odd times. And uh, I try and talk to them. I talk about it to like my mom and stuff and like my close friends at the time. Uh, but I felt like I, I couldn't make sense of it because I wasn't really thinking of anything that was triggering them. Or I thought like that's how it worked. Mm. You know, you, you, maybe you're thinking of something and then you just like freak out and then all of a sudden you, you know, you're having a panic attack on the train and you don't know what to do with yourself while you start crying or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, once, once I, I, I got the A-OK and um, I was, you know, paving the way to like a positive change and I was like accepting that finally this happens and like this can happen and uh, there's no more waiting uh, mentally, it, things shifted a lot, actually. Within the first six months, I didn't feel down like I used to. Mm. Uh, I didn't feel uh, so anxious. I mean, yes, I I had still kind of a bit of anxiety because I was, you know, I had the, the voice breaking and I was, like, living, you know, as, like, a pubescent boy in like a 22 year old body mm. <laughs> so it it felt kind of you know odd and mm. I've always uh, I've always had a baby face so uh, uh, you know people asking for my ID was even it got worse <laughs> yeah I remember we went to a place and you didn't get allowed in oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that. <laughs> I stayed outside with you. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to ditch you. Uh, yeah. True pals. True pals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the periods when you said that you were feeling down uh, back before that point where you you got approved for the transition, hmm. um, what, were you, what were your thoughts like and what brought you down exactly and um, what did look what did uh being down look like like how were you different and how were you acting and and all this um well i would uh, it was very easy for me to go from you know going about my day usually um and then either something happened or <laughs> i was uh once I started identifying as uh, Frankie, um, before the hormone replacement therapy, and it was just mainly my looks and my appearance that was passing in public. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> either, you know, someone... Uh, with, I was trying really hard at the time to just pass as male, mm. um, but it doesn't always happen every day. Uh, there's times where I, I was still like, I don't know, I say caught out or like, you know, people kind of weren't really acknowledging the masculine, uh, type of expression mm -hmm. I was, um, putting on for people. 
in public or just everyday life. Mm. Um, so being misgendered, uh, being called a girl, uh, those were like strong triggering things for me. So I could be fine and like laughing, like, and then all of a sudden, uh, for me, my mind goes to like really dark places. Mm. Uh, it's like you go just down a rabbit hole, <laughs> um, uh, like dominoes, you know. And it's it was really tough for me to get out of it. Um, and, and I try and be vocal and, and talk to people and, and, you know, reach out to the support people in my life. Mm. But uh, in most cases, if I, like, while trying to talk about my feelings, um, it didn't really help. The depression was still pretty bad um i i wouldn't be able to like snap out of it or um anything like that unfortunately i'd write a lot though Mm. i have a journal um i find that if i write it down it it feels like a weight's been lifted at least it's not internalizing inside me Mm. however i'm feeling or the things that I see. Um, yeah, so just <coughs> getting it out there in some way um, helps. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how you sort of managed your depressive um, episodes. Yeah, pretty much. What yeah. else helped? Did anything else help? <sighs> Music. Mm. Music. Um, either writing my own songs or listening to music. Um, see, I, I I used to be quite emotional mm. and I, I eventually learned to tap into that and use it to my advantage because if I was sad about something, um, I'd really tap into it and, I, you know, if I had to, I'd sit in my room and I'd listen to music or be whatever song or, you know, something that I feel is relating to how I'm feeling. And if I cry it out, then I cry it out until it was gone. Mm. Um, that's how I used to deal with uh, my sadness. Mm. Um, and I felt like that helped. It was. It felt like hell and it felt like torture at the time. Mm. But, uh, you know, it just kind of taught m- me that if you just kind of keep going and you have this like sense of endurance that it it eventually ends Mm. um yeah so you just got to power through it yeah pretty much everybody's different but Mm. uh those are the things that worked for me yeah um did you ever experience suicidal thoughts in this period Oh, yeah, I'd really like to say no. (laughs) Mm. Um, But, yes, I have. And it's, I know, you know, from like a young age as well. And Mm. I think that's also what's quite sad Mm. to admit. Um, But, yes, I've I've felt uh, a 
felt suicidal or thought of suicide um, from uh, my teenage years. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to admit such a thing, so... Yeah. Sorry, I'm not being insensitive. I think that's just my nervous laughing at the situation. It's fine. No worries. We all cope in different ways. Um, But you eventually pulled yourself out of there. You Mm. pulled yourself out of these depressive situations and and, uh, here you are. Like you you found (laughs) what worked for you Mm. um, and that's really great. So um, I'm glad that you you were able to do that for yourself. (laughs) Thanks. Me too. Um, so how do you think that gender dysphoria is perceived in society and do you have any thoughts on how it's portrayed in, in the media, if you've seen anything relating to that? Uh, gender dysphoria in the media. Um, I've seen some, like some articles, like I'm, I'll admit I'm not very like, you know, in in the media. I don't really read the newspaper or like I watch the news. movies and oh. shows as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Danish Girl, <laughs> just to talk about movies. Um, yeah, that's a beautiful film. Mm. Uh, uh, but uh, like I've seen from what I've seen, like in articles, especially. Uh, because I follow the SBS, uh, like, Facebook group on Facebook, mm. and they always um, have uh, really interesting articles uh, about the LGBT community. Yeah. Um, it, it's good. To, it's, it, like, it resonates with me when I see people being respectful, especially with uh, pronouns. Like, it can be a really sensitive thing. Mm. Um, and there's so much more, like, that I don't fully understand myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm yet to learn about different uh, types of people uh, and how they feel. So you have seen it a bit out there, but you're not really internalizing it too much, like what you see out there. Yeah. Um, what was it like to see that movie, Danish Girl? Yeah, the Danish Girl. What, what was that like? Um, that was actually really nice. <laughs> I like. I really enjoyed it. Um, Did you sort of relate to it? I could relate to it, yes. It's a male-to-female trans woman. Mm. Um, But, uh, yes, I I did, you know, it kind of hit me in in some sense, Mm. just that, you know, you could um, see it, like, on the big screen, like other people like you, you know, it's not... Yeah, it's not, it's not in every film that you see someone portraying a, a, a trans person's life. Mm. Um, Do you feel it was an accurate portrayal? Uh, I think so. I don't actually know much about the original story, but I know that it's based on the true story. I think mm. it was about the first... Uh, don't hold me to it, but I think it's the first um, just gen, uh, sexual reassignment surgery that ever happened. Oh, okay. Uh, on a man, uh, sorry, a male to female um, trans woman. Mm. I think I hope so. And if people are listening and they it know could better, be yeah. one of the first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that f- 
fact that it's based on a real story sort of gives it more real like realism to mm. it because you know I've talked about this with some of the other guests and they've sort of said that in films and and TV shows that they what they they have their mental illness it's mm. often not portrayed accurately or mm. they sort of make it out in a way that they they sort of make you think that, that that's the way that everyone experiences that particular condition. Mm. So you didn't feel that way. You just sort of resonated with, with that movie a little bit. No, I yeah, I think it just resonated with. Uh, I think I just related to the feeling of, um, you know, that kind of excitement and the happiness and and the side of of who you really are mm. and, and, and living that, um, TV show called transparent. Have mm. you heard of it? No, I haven't. Oh, um, I, this is actually terrible. I'm not really using any uh, female to male references. <laughs> uh, I can't think of any, um, but, uh, yeah, if I had, if I could think of any, I think I'm drawing a blank, but, mm. um, you know, I, I, you know, it's fair to say there's probably situations where it's not portrayed accurately, mm. uh, and um, it could be somewhat miseducating. miseducating. Mm. I don't know if that's a word. That's a word. <laughs> okay, it is now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I guess that's definitely something we need to be mindful of in general with with these portrayals with anything really, mm. just as sort of not carry misconceptions about uh, this or that or the other and just try and understand that that's not how the real world is. Mm. So I guess that's that's a good message to put there. So I want to talk a bit more about your transition now mm -hmm. and something I wanted to do at this point of the podcast is to, to play that recording of you before <laughs> the hormone there and after so I'll, I'll add it here this is Frankie Bears and I'm two weeks and two days on testosterone this is Frankie Bears and I'm one year on testosterone so it, it does really amaze you to hear <laughs> that there is a big change there mm. like when I, I remember when you posted that and and i heard it i will say wow because <laughs> i hadn't really noticed too much of a change because i'd been seeing you a lot in mm. that point mm. so i didn't really myself notice it <laughs> and it was really eye-opening to to sort of hear that um so tell me a bit more about the just the general mental changes that were going on during mm. your transition period. Um, okay, sure. Well, um, apart, aside from you know feeling more in tune, I guess, with myself and having that, you know, kind of give me a lot more of uh, self confidence, um, mm. and uh, you know, allowing myself to feel positive about you know, who I am. And uh, there was also a really interesting kind of change in how I, you know, I felt 
about things or I would like compare things. Mm. Um, how do I say? Like if I had, say there's like a disagreement or a situation happens um, and, it, you know, I'd instantly think back to how I would relate to it or uh, feel or react to it, you know, pre-transition, mm. uh, you know, from a more emotional side and then post-transition, you know, it's completely different. I think different. I, I, I view things from different perspectives now. I tackle things differently. I react differently. Mm. Um, and, you know, I always, and, and that change, um, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's odd. Mm. <laughs> you know, it really is like it's too, to see from both sides of the spectrum, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and cause I really, you know, my brain is everything to me. Mm. Um, I might not be like the smartest person, like in terms of textbooks, <laughs> but, um, my, you know, the way I think that's who I am. That's, you know, it's how I've always kind of stuck to, you know, figure out who I am. Mm. Frankie is up here. Yeah. Always has been. Mm. Um, and even that changed. So I kind of lost my bearings for a bit. Mm. Um, and I've got to kind of accept the change as well. Yeah. Uh, the evolution, I guess you could say. Mm. <laughs> I evolved. Yeah. But, um, did that change sort of make you better equipped to deal with mental health issues as well? Like, did you sort of... Is that what led you to have these little strategies to deal with depression and anxiety and stuff like that on top of the transition as well? Um, I'd say yes. Um, I'm not very much emotional. Like, uh, no, I'll rephrase that. I'm not a very expressive emotional person. Mm. I used to be uh, more than anything and I can't cry and... It's, um, yeah, January 2016. So I'm a few months shy of two years on testosterone hormone replacement therapy. Mm. And uh, I think I've only cried like three times. Oh. And that's like, that's difficult to not uh, have an outlet like that anymore. Mm. When I feel like I want to cry, it just doesn't happen and it gets frustrating and angry. Yeah. Um, and there's a big detachment there from my emotional kind of responses, my emotional kind of side to myself. So that's a struggle in itself. Yeah. See, it's like good and bad. It's good that I feel like I'm not crying over everything anymore. Yeah. But then I can't cry even when I need to. Because I guess it was your way of coping with yeah. situations and now you struggle to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's still right and stuff, but um, yeah, no crying, and I kind of just got to, you know, power on without uh, an easy outlet. <laughs> so, I guess that says to me the transitions really affected the way you deal with situations in general, mm. and that's that's really interesting to hear because I guess you don't really hear about that. Mm. like when people go through this like how how much they change 
in mm. internally as well. Oh yeah, everything just seems internalized now. Like Post transition, it's like putting on boy glasses, <laughs> yeah. and then you could you got this filter, and the world is like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. It's it's different. I didn't, you know, like it's 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 funny, you know. I, with all like my girlfriends, they're all like, oh, I don't get it. Like boys are so like this and blah blah blah, and they mm. don't feel things and. And then guys, you know, my guy friends can be like, oh, girls are too emotional and they feel too much. And it's <laughs> like uh, I'm standing on the fence. So, like I get yeah. both sides. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. I guess that's an interesting perspective because it sort of shows you that it's very um, in your brain and mm. in like how you sort of react to situation. Like girls are more emotional, boys mm. aren't. And that I really like that you sort of gave me that perspective on, <laughs> on things. I never, never really thought about it, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, no, you know, no two people are the same. I'm mm. sure there are plenty of emotional men out there and that's fine. And, mm. you know, women who aren't, you know, expressive and emotional and that's fine too. But mm. I think it's just from my experiences, that's, that's what I see the battle of the sexes, I suppose. Mm. And you, you're on the fence. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you're nearly coming up to two years on on hormone replacement therapy, mm-hmm. and you've just had your top surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, what was that like, and how are you feeling post op in terms of um, mentally? Mentally, mm-hmm. like your body, like how you view your body now, and and all that. Well, um, now I feel like I'm at a place where I have to learn uh, uh, to accept body image for the first time. Mm. Um, I was actually really nervous, but I felt very numb. I was on the wait list for surgery for about um, nine months. And as soon as I got put on the waiting list, it kind of just felt, you know, almost like nothingness, just like this void of waiting Mm. and then something was going to happen. And then I, you know, I just assumed, oh, okay, it'll just register then. Mm. Anyway, so fast forward nine months and then, you know, it's the last week of October and... I have the surgery and then just the day before it, you know, it it, <laughs> it clicks and then I have a big freak out. Mm. Um, and then I go in for the surgery, still feeling numb. Uh, I'm kind of just waiting for it at this point to really hit me and then, mm. you know, all hell will break loose. But, um, yeah, so that didn't really kind of like unhinge itself for about like a week post-op and then all of a sudden there were these, you know, these thoughts and feelings and all these things that I should have, you know, I wish I kind of, you know, felt or acknowledged or whatever it be um, prior to the surgery. Mm. Um, Because I didn't even want to look at my chest afterwards. Um, Mm. I kind of, I remember saying to my mum, I was like, mum, I don't want to look, like, don't show me. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I don't want to see it until like, you know, I've healed and all this stuff. And eventually I've seen it so far. And like, you know, that was like a wow moment. Um, mm. It's something I thought was never going to happen. I think that's what the numbness was really. Mm. Maybe the disbelief that, and the fact that I was so detached from my body that I couldn't really put two and two together and acknowledge the change that was going to happen mm. and the fact that it was going to be a positive one. Yeah. But at the time it just felt like nothing. Mm. <clears throat> um, but so yeah, so I went through this roller coaster of, oh my God, it's happening. Mm. And then uh, during the numbness, it was also... Uh, like, why am I not excited? <laughs> like, this is happening. Like, why can't I feel like what I assume everyone would feel? Yeah. Um, like, that was isolating as well. It was like, you know, some people would be really supportive and, and even you, you know, would, would, would talk about the op and be really positive and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I know it's happening, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, like I, I didn't feel like I was really connected to it. Mm. Um, and then that felt wrong somehow or like, you know, I, it could be judged as, oh, like this is a mistake or, and then came all the self-doubt mm. and it was just this like tumble of, of uh, feelings up and down, up and down. But now I think it's settled. I had a, a bit of a breakdown. Um and I was like happy and sad and angry and <laughs> like anxious mm. and I felt it all. Um, but it's been, I think, you know, a few weeks now and it's starting to kind of ease off and um, we're just going to take the baby steps to kind of accept everything that's happened and the change and the build up and... Mm. Um, kind of focus on healing and you know mentally and physically yeah it's a it's a cluster of emotions yeah. <laughs> it's, it must be very complicated and confusing yeah. in itself <clears throat> even though it is part of getting to the point you want to be at mm. it's still like a big hurdle for mm. you yeah okay so i want to get a bit of your wisdom to the <laughs> listeners now so okay. <laughs> So what advice would you give to someone who is going through something similar to you? Ah, uh, what advice? Yeah. Um I'd just try and remind yourself that you're not alone no matter how lonely it can feel. Mm. Um I definitely encourage people to uh whatever it is, um just to try and speak to somebody. Mm. Yeah, no matter who it is in your life, whether it's family, friends, uh, a school counsellor, anybody. Um, just try and contact somebody because uh, it really helped me personally because I'd been internalising and going over it so much uh, before uh, ever doing anything about it. Once I did and I let it out and I actually was put in the direction of someone who could actually help me, mm. um, it made all the difference and that's the best start uh, just to try and talk to somebody. 
Mm. Um, yeah. That's great advice. Uh, what, what advice would you give to maybe the family and friends of someone who might be going through this sort of thing as well? Um, it's not easy at all. I think um, it, try and, and be supportive. Mm. Um, there are all different factors that can come in between that. But um, if this person in your life is is going through this and, and just know that it's not easy for them. Mm. And if you can't personally be there, uh, you know, I think it would mean all the same if you could just find someone else that can support them. Yep. like they deserve because I think that's that's what people need a s- strong support group people to uh, be there for them you know it, it's isolating <clears throat> excuse me isolating is in itself to to be battling these kind of feelings alone mm. um, so if you can't be there for whatever reason uh, just help them out in ways that you can and and find someone else Mm. if necessary. Great. That's great advice. And I can tell that that really comes from deep within you from experience. Mm. Yeah. So what do you wish someone had told you in your most difficult times? Hmm. I think, um, I think I, I would have really appreciated, uh, someone to <laughs> kind of just sit with me and be like, okay, like, and it most likely I, in the worst of times, I usually get a bit ridiculous mm. um, and I unravel and it's embarrassing. <laughs> but um, if someone just sat there and was like, okay, like you're being a bit silly, but it's okay. Like everything is okay. You can act out how you feel, talk about how you feel. It's fine. It's okay, regardless. Mm. And, you know, one day you'll be sitting on the carpet <laughs> recording a podcast, <laughs> talking about it in the future, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, just, I think someone to just say you will get it together everybody does mm. it doesn't matter what kind of pace you have whether you get it done in 10 years or you know you're able to figure it out in six months mm. there's always a following so mm. just hang in there it's great <laughs> it's good good words there thanks mate <laughs> um so i guess this brings us to the listener questions okay so that's that's exciting so the first one is from Harriet from South Australia. Mm. So uh, shout out to Harriet. She's very, very helpful yeah. with the podcast yeah. stuff. G'day. Yeah. Um, so she wants to know, what was your experience of raising conversations about this with your family and friends in terms of, you know, your transition and and your gender and stuff like that? Okay. Sure. Um, well, how I... I told my family was uh, I told my mum uh, actually first, and um, <laughs> uh, I was uh, I I wrote a note I think on the uh, kitchen table uh, on the bench 
and I think it said like, mum, please come in my room. (laughs) (laughs) So I just went in there and, um, went in my room and I waited and mum came in and I think I was like crying at the time. Mm. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was like, just telling mum, I was like, oh, mum, like, I'm not happy. Um, like, and I, Obviously, it wasn't as like composed as it is me telling now. <laughs> yeah. But um, yes, I basically just said, you know, I don't feel right. Something just doesn't feel right. I'm not happy, um, and I don't know what to do. And then, <laughs> poor mum, <laughs> she cried too. <laughs> and then we just, you know, sat there with each other and we cried. And and she held me and she said she loved me and um, yeah. And that was my experience telling my mom. Um, mm. And I'm really happy that it ended that way because at the time you feel like it's terrible mm. and it's going to co- like <laughs> turn out terribly. Yeah. But um, no, I was really lucky to have, you know, my mom, you know, be there for me and, and listen like she did. And then from then on, I, I kind of pulled everyone else aside Um individually and and had that kind of same situation uh, same chat uh and yeah so that's how i told my my immediate family uh the my extended family um i think it's either my my parents told people or if they didn't have Facebook because I also made a huge thing on Facebook Mm. and I thought you know if I'm going to tell the story I'll do it in one go and kind of express it as a collective Uh, so friends and family we'll see and uh, yeah and some of my close friends knew already Mm. Um, I'd spoken to them in private uh, either uh, along the way, I'd dropped hints or, you know, some people, you know, acted like they weren't surprised, <laughs> you know, like they knew it was coming. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. And what sort of response did you get? Like, was it generally a, a, a warm, positive thing? Yeah, actually, um, you know, touch wood. I'm, uh, I haven't really had uh, a negative response response from someone I've never really fought with anyone about it I've never had to Mm. uh, fight to explain myself or for people to understand me and I feel like that's that's something that's I'm really lucky to have as well Mm. um I had an interesting oh uh, someone from like an old friend of mine from the high school who was still in my Facebook messaged me personally and was like uh uh you know that they felt um you know similar and, and I actually got some really nice warm words from people to say that, you know, it was brave for me to do that and, and mm. to be public about it. Um, and, you know, for me, it didn't feel like I was being brave or it was like an admirable thing to do. I thought it was just me telling people so I wouldn't have to tell people yeah. <laughs> over and over. But, um, yeah, no, you kind of take a step back and, and you know, I guess it is like that. Mm. Um so it's good that, yeah. that it was well received you know often there's a bit of stigma and, and misconceptions going on that sort of lead people to not react in the way that would be the most supportive so yeah. i'm glad you had a good experience with with opening up to people 
Yeah. Oh, and it, you know, if anyone was, you know, not so accepting, I guess they've just kept it to themselves. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. All right. So the next listener question is from my friend Clara from Sweden. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so she wants to know what are the, what are the most common questions you get asked about uh, your gender that makes you sort of think really you're asking that like sort of because she she's asexual so she can sort of relate to that in a way so is there anything that you can think of um in terms of uh transitioning uh no not actually um i've been actually quite stealthy Mm. Uh, with my transition, uh, I only really tell people, <laughs> close people to me, mm. um, and I fully identify as male, so I don't usually disclose that I'm transgender, and a lot of people just view me as biologically male. Mm. Um, so I don't really get many questions like that, um, mm. but... You know, I'm sure there there would be some silly questions out there. You know, everybody gets them. But yeah, yeah for me, no, actually, I haven't had any. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, well, is there any, can you think of any that people might get that you might have heard or read about or something like that? Um... Well, okay, sure. Um, are you going to get... Okay, th- this might be one. Um, I thought of one. Yeah, I thought of one. There we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I might have blocked it out for reasons. But Depression. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, someone's asked me... Um, yeah, this also comes from people who aren't really educated as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh but uh, yeah, so someone's asked me once, like, "Oh, so are you, you going to get uh, your boobs cut off or something like that, or do you mm. still have your boobs or something?" Mm. Yeah, those questions—they're not okay to really say that to a trans person. Yeah, um, you know, usually those those details you disclose in private, and that's only if someone's comfortable saying that to you. Yeah. Um, it's a very personal thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But um, and but the only thing when I the only other thing I can think of is, um, you know, questions relating to like you know how you are in the bedroom and things like that. Mm. Uh, another personal thing that you shouldn't. <laughs> you, don't, you don't ask that to people in general. So no, I don't know why people would think it, it's okay to ask. Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. Well, there's some questions. So, conversely, what are some common questions you get asked that you're okay to answer? That question's from my brother, Juan. Hello, Juan. Oh, hello, Juan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, you know, I, um, I don't really have too many... I, yeah, barriers anymore, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I think I've really kind of accepted more of myself and, and the fact that I am transgender. I was always very, like, angry. Angry, mm-hmm. like, why wasn't I just in the right body from the first place? 
uh, it would have made everything so much easier, blah, blah, blah. But uh, now I kind of accept, you know, the transition I've made and who I was is part of who I am. Um, so, and I don't, yeah, I don't really have barriers or boundaries. I mean, if there were, I'd, I'd just say so. But uh, mm. I, I think... You know, it, and I don't really have that many people that actually talk to me about my transition or ask questions. And I think that's, you know, I don't think that's ignorance. I think that's just, you know, probably respecting that I'm a private person. Mm. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it if, if anyone were to ask or had questions. Mm. You know, I'm happy to talk to them about it as mm. long as they're respectful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. <coughs> okay, well... I wanted to ask you as well, um, because I've been asking a few of the guests about this, um, just about whether it's challenging for guys to to open up um, to other people to talk about mental health and, and what's going on inside. Yeah. Do you think it's harder for guys? I mean, you've, you've had experience being a guy and a girl. Mm. So is there a difference from your perspective? Um, yes. There's a total difference. Um, I, yes, definitely post-transition, uh, especially with the testosterone roaming around my body. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely changed how I uh, deal with my emotions and expressing them. Ta- uh, also knowing that the, the social change having going from all female friends to now all male friends in groups in most situations mm. um you don't you don't sit and talk about your feelings and i always thought that was odd and i always feels, felt self-conscious and was like i feel like naturally i want to talk about something but like do boys just don't do that like <laughs> you know yeah. um but yeah it's funny enough they they don't and it's kind of a, a sad I mean, some sometimes, like in in my group of all male friends, um, we 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 discuss some things, but it doesn't really go beneath the surface. Hmm. And you know, I you, you definitely don't. For me, I haven't seen the emotional connection really, like I would with my all female friends. Hmm. Um, but yeah, personally for me, uh, talking about my feelings isn't the same. (laughs) Um, you know, I still, I still can write and I can still find probably the words to put it down. But for me, I don't know, it just feels like I'm much more inclined to, uh, just kind of keep those thoughts to myself Mm. um you know especially because i can't cry so there's no real outlet there Mm. um and it can get really frustrating because if i feel sad it can almost feel worse like in my head it's just um there's no end to Mm. this chain of uh chain of negativity that i think of um but yeah, no. That for me, in 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 my life experiences, there are significant differences. Um, yeah. So I guess in summary, it it comes from within yourself and from 
those around you as well, whether mm. you're able to open up mm. given your gender. Mm. 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 That's, I guess that's something even more to consider about this topic like this. It's, yeah, it's, it keeps coming up, this, this thing, because I ask it to people. And it's really interesting to hear everyone's views on this, and especially mm. yours, because you've, you're on the fence, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the fence. All right. So I want to sort of transition towards the, um, the conclusion of, of the podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, what are you most proud of to have accomplished so far in your life? Most proud of, um, I'd split it into two, I think. Um, first being probably actually transitioning, mm. um, you know, I don't feel like I would have enjoyed a lengthy life if I hadn't transitioned. Mm. Transitioning was kind of the savior for my mental health mm. and uh, my sense of well-being and my life, really. Mm. Um, and now that I've started my life and I feel like it's only like a year and a half old. <laughs> but um, You're a baby. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'd say it's, you know, the strength to actually go through this transition and probably my music, actually. My music is uh, uh, my, yeah, my songs that I've written. Mm. Um, they're probably, you know, something like my prized possession. Mm. I'd say my most. Yeah. Mm. So, what are you working towards at the moment? Um, well, because of my uh, surgery I had recently, um, I basically had to defer uh, my last term of my studies. Mm. Uh, I do a, a diploma of uh, IT at a college in Sydney. So I'm working towards finishing that. Um, and hopefully establishing a career mm. in something I love. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So where do you see yourself in a year's time in, in terms of working towards those goals? Um, hopefully I'm employed. Mm. Um that's always nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully I'm employed and happy and I think happy within myself as well. Mm. I think there's a long road to go where uh, I still got to learn things about myself and accept myself for who I am and accept the... Uh, roller coaster of my mental health as well. Mm. <laughs> so, well, on that note, how can you tell that you're doing better now with your mental health? What's different? I kind of believe in myself for the first time, really. Mm. Um, my mental health always really affected that. It was like, you know, I kind of would say negative things to keep me from really fighting back, I guess. Mm. Um, Created a barrier for you. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm happier. I'm, I'm doing things for m- me. I'm listening to myself 
Mm. Um, trying to put myself first. Um, and I'm, I don't feel like I have many episodes with my depression so much. Mm. Um, it's definitely less than what I would have would had uh, had experienced um, previously. Mm. I don't have uh, panic attacks anymore, and uh, my anxiety is not as bad. I still have uh, times where I where I get you know, seriously affected and I don't really want to go out or I don't want to go to things or I don't want to see people. Mm. Um, but overall, I'd say, you know, it's changed a lot and I, I don't really feel so negatively mm. um, about my everyday life. Mm. That's good. <laughs> um, all right, so... Let's do another question from the random question box. Okay. Let's see what we got now. <coughs> what TV or movies universe would you like to live in and why? Oh. <laughs> Big question. Yeah. What TV or movies universe? Um... <laughs> Uh, I've always, I think back to Free Willy, um, I've always had this obsession with wanting to have a pet orca whale. Mm. Um, so if I could live like Jesse (laughs) 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 or, or either that or, um, I'd be the Hulk Mm. just cause. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Those two are my answers. That's cool. Yeah, because you you could do a lot with a pet orca. Yeah, you could go nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. So, something I like to do on the podcast is ask every guest what their ultimate feel good song is, because it's my way of promoting feeling good. Okay. So. <laughs> So what, what's your ultimate feel-good song? Um, I have, I think, I, I don't have just one. At the moment. But, but for right now, I'd say uh, King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. Okay. King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. <laughs> so have you got, got it ready there so we can listen to a second of it? Oh, yeah, just a second. All right. Well, I do encourage everyone to go check it out. It's Frankie's ultimate feel-good song. We're about to listen to a second of it. Here we go. Well, that was that was really really awesome. That was something. Yeah, that was definitely something else. Uh, well, I do encourage all of you to go check it out. What was the name again? King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. Great. Well, everyone go check it out. It's Frankie's ultimate feel-good song for now. For now. All right. Well, this brings us to the end of the podcast. I just have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. So what's one final thing you would want people listening to this to take out of it? One final thing. Well, uh, honestly, just to uh, keep an open mind, I think. 
I think everybody's different. I've had to learn that there are a lot of different people out there and people feel different from you and that's okay. It's okay to be different. There's no right or wrong. You shouldn't really uh, attack people on that. Um, everybody gets happiness from different things. And I think if we were just <laughs> more accepting and willing to accept that there's just a difference and that's okay, mm-hmm. instead of preaching you know, either hate or exclusion. Um, and, you know, it's always good to educate yourself. Mm. Great. That's a good message. It's, uh, it's been really good talking to you and, and I really appreciate you being so willing to come and share your story with, with everyone and with me. And I'm sure a lot of people out there have learned a lot and we'll, we'll get a lot out of this. So thanks very much, mate. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. <laughs> no worries. All right. Well, that's all I've got for you. So thank you again for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And make sure you like and subscribe on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes as well. Uh, it means a lot to me that you tune in to all the episodes. It's it's really good to just learn about other people's lives and just get us learning about about the world around us. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. So take care. Bye.